Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're going to continue this series that we've called Grow, and I wonder how many hungry people are in this house today. You came because you want to grow. Let me see your hand. You want to grow. You're watching today because you want to grow. And today in part four, I want to talk about a growing church and what a growing church looks like. You know, I really believe that this subject is is really vital because some of you have different ideas of what church should be. I mean, if today I would say, hey, we're going to play just a little bit of word association with you. And I said the word church, right? Some of you country music fans would say, Eric, church. Come on, somebody. Thank God there's not going to be any country music in heaven, only in hell. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. That's not in the Bible. I make that up. Church, right? For some of you automatically, what happens? The first thought is a building, a steeple. Here is the church. Here is the people. Remember that little thing, whole thing, right? And where is the people? All the right in there, all knit, white, all cute, right? But oftentimes, we have to align ourselves and make sure that the design and the vision and the thought that we have about church is the same that God has for his church. Because many people think, and I understand you've never heard a message like this because maybe you're coming back to church or this is your first time even being involved in a church and we're excited about that. But we can oftentimes think that the church is just a place that we come and we sit. Right? We come and we sit, we hear an inspirational message, and we go home, and then we watch football. We watch the Steelers win. But God's plan for his church was never that we just come and sit. Actually, when you read the Bible, in the New Testament, the church is never referred to as a building. It's always referred to as a people because God created the church to be a people that gather for a purpose and a cause. We gather under the cause and under the banner of the name Jesus Christ. And so church, I feel like, should be like a pep rally of life. I feel like the church should be a come, a come together where we are energized, but the church is a people, not a building. We know this because Peter, when he was preaching after Pentecost, he's preached an incredible message in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, then they gladly received his word. They were baptized, and, they, and on the same day, they were added to the church 3,000 souls. So God equivalates people and souls with the church. And he never refers to the church as a building. Now, they went to the temple. That's important. They went to homes, but the church is not referred to as a building. And, you know, as we talk about a temple for a minute, think about this. Actually, the Bible calls you the temple of the Holy Spirit. Man, what I was thinking about that. What an honor. First Corinthians 6, 19, it says, do you not know? Ask your neighbor real quick. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Listen, do you not know that your body is the very temple? I love the Amplified Classic. I've been reading that. It says the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God. And the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. But listen to those words, that my life and your life is the very sanctuary of where he dwells. What an honor. What an honor. But when you look at the word church in the New Testament, in the Greek, I like to look up words in the original language. It is the word ekklesia. It actually means to call. 
It means this. It means the called out ones. How many of you, God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light? How many of you? You've responded to the call. He's called you out. Now, here's the reality. If we don't understand who we are as the church, if we don't understand who we are in terms of our identity, I always say, if you don't know who you are, you'll never know what you could do. So we have to understand who we are. And so the good news is, is that since the church is a people, not a place, no matter what place the people of God find themselves, the church is there. So it can be anywhere. It could be two or three of you at your work. You are the church. Say that with me. Say, I am the church. Say it as in the context of our corporate body. Say, we are the church. And so what God does is when you read the scripture, he uses different word illustrations to illustrate the church and how it's supposed to function. The Bible calls the church the family of God. You have been adopted into the family of God. First John chapter three, verse one says, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called. Listen to these words, the children of God. Now that means a lot to me because I never met my natural father. When my, my, my uh, mom was pregnant at 19 years old with me, my father abandoned me. My father walked out on us, and so I had never met him. So I was adopted at a very young age. I had a lot of issues, and some of you are like, Phil, you still have a lot of issues. Yeah, I know. I'm in process. Anybody else in process? Come on, somebody. I got issues too. Listen, the church is not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect church, listen, the moment you walked in, it became unperfect because all of us are perfect. And I'm just going to tell you, and you can leave now before I finish this message, that I'm not a perfect pastor either. Right. If you want a, a perfect pastor, guess what? You're going to be looking for a long time because we are human. I put my pants on this morning just like you did. Can I hear a good amen? I probably got up earlier than you did, but we'll go there later. But I had a lot of issues because I couldn't even call God my father because I was so bitter. But I thank him because he worked with us in every stage of our growth. As we grow, he wants to be a part of every stage of our growth. And so my church family, I'm thankful that today and not embarrassed and not bitter to be able to say that I have a heavenly father, that even when my earthly father didn't want me, my heavenly father loves me and he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. And it doesn't matter what kind of family you came from. The family of God wants to rally around you and that you have the same heavenly father as Jesus. That's powerful. Peter, when he writes about the church, he talks about different stages of childhood in terms of growth and maturity. First Peter chapter two, verse two says this, like newborn babies, you should crave. He says, thirst for earnestly and desire the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk that by it you may be nurtured. And there's that word again, grow unto and completed salvation. So if we're going to have a growing church, we have to have babies. What do I mean by that? We have to have new births happening. Jesus told Nicodemus that you must be born again. So that's a new birth. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about babies. They're messy. They're selfish. I love them. You love them. They're cute, but they can act like a terrorist. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about your kids. 
I'm talking about other people's kids. The ones you see at the restaurant. And here's the thing. At Passion Life Church, there's always going to be a part of our church that's messy because we're always going to have newborns. I'm hoping that more people will get saved from here to the end of this year than we have seen in this whole year. And so listen, if you're new to this whole experience, thank God. We love you. We love babies. Can I hear a good amen today? But here's the thing about babies. They mess on themselves a lot. And they stink sometimes. You think I'm being funny. But the reality of it is, is that I want to have a little bit of a stench in here that's not so good. Because we, that means we're reaching people. This is not us four and no more. This is we need to reach the world because there's people who have broken lives. So there's going to be a part of this church that's always a little messy, and it should be because we have newborns. And they cry, right? And they're selfish. So I love all of that. And we need to take care of them. We need to help them grow. Because there was a time in your life when you came to church, those of us are mature and the seasoned saints. (laughs) That always makes me laugh. There was somebody that helped you. There was a woman or a man back in your children's church that was singing with you, helping you. And now it's time because God is calling upon you to help other people. And you may not think that you have a lot to offer, but there's more in you than you even know. I was talking to somebody this week about how you're never going to know what God has placed in you until you allow him to place a demand on you. Because when you place a demand on something, that's when everything that is inside of it will come out of it. And so we love newborn babies. We want to help you in your mess. I hope new births are happening. But my church family, they're not going to happen unless we invite our friends. I do my part. I invite people. But you know what? It's not my job to invite other sheep. Sheep like sheep, right? And so it's our job to be able to say, hey, come to the house of God. But there's another definition of infant in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13. Are you glad you came to church today? It says, for everyone who continues to feed on milk. What, are, what is milk? It's, it's, it's people who can't digest the deeper truths, right? You don't give a newborn child steak. It says, for everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought, and action. For he is a mere infant. So now the writer of Hebrews says that it's possible to remain an infant for years because there are people who have been in the faith for 10, 13 years, but they still don't understand righteousness. They're still trying to earn what God has given freely. And the writer says, when you are unskilled in righteousness, you are still an infant. Hebrews chapter five, verse 14 says solid food. Somebody say solid food, solid food, belongs to the mature for those who practice. Somebody say practice. Have power. So a mature person is one who is hearing the word, hearing the truth. And like we talked about having good ground, they actually begin to practice those truths. And I understand that there is a process and there is a grace for you to walk in truth, just like a young child. They get up, 
right? Their head's kind of big. And so wherever their head goes, right, their body goes. And then you see them and it's, it's hilarious. And you just walk and they have to walk through this process. And as funny as it is, I just want you to know here at Passion Life Church, we're never going to make fun of you for trying to walk out the truths that God has given you. Because all of us are still in process. As a full-blown 52-year-old adult, I still trip, literally. Almost fell down my stairs the other day. We won't talk about your faults, but we still make mistakes. And as funny as infants are when they walk, they fall, but here's the great news. They get back up. And the Bible says that a righteous man will fall seven times, but here's what, what he does. He gets back up. Come on, church. It's time to get back up. It's time for you to get back up. But I want to tell you something. For those of you who have newborns right now, and you know it's those of you that are parents, here's another thing about newborns. Newborns and young children, they believe, because we're talking about the family of God, they believe that the family exists entirely for themselves. They're going to sleep when they want to sleep. Even if that costs you your sleep. Right? And so when a, a, a child is young, they need a lot of attention. And we want to give that attention. And so why is that? Because they're dependent on us. Right? So the focus is on the child. A child does not, they actually get the impression that everything does revolve around them, right? They're picky about their food. You try to give them a little bit of green beans, right? Baby food. Like, I don't want that green beans. <laughs> Spit it up. <laughs> okay, let's try the carrots. Try the carrots. Oh, you love the carrots. Okay. Carrots for the rest of your life till you get old. That's what we did with my son. Green beans all the time. Because anything else is just, <laughs> right? They're picky about what they eat. And guess what? Their toys are all over the house. There's baby gates. They get the impression, hey, this whole house exists for me. And if there are any other babies around, oh, you better beware because they will not share their toys. My son was like, I don't know, one, he was going through the, we call it terrific twos because we're people of faith. Not the terrible twos, but the terrific twos. But I remember when he was about one heading to two, man, he hated other kids. Hated it. We had to put him like in one of those, what do you call them, the, the little pin things? And he was there shaking that thing. He hated his own cousin who was the same age. I mean, he would just like growl at her. I thought, man, we had a child or either that or we had a German shepherd, but he's over there growling. <laughs> and oh, God forbid my wife would pick up his little cousin Capri. He would, he, I mean, he would just, because they're selfish. God forbid Capri would pick up one of his toys, he would whack her in the head. Maybe he should have been a boxer. Maybe we should have pursued that career for my son. But they think the whole world exists for them. And then when all their toys are out, guess who's picking up all the toys? Mom and dad. And believe me, they do leave their toys out. Ever stepped on a Lego? Ever sat on a Lego? And your wife is like, hey, have you seen, you know, little Jerry's Lego? Yeah, it's right here. Hold on. I got it. I did. Here it is. Thank you. I sat on it. Because the whole house is about them. But when a child begins to grow, a sign of maturity is they're not just contributing. They're not just consuming. They're actually contributing to the family. 
Because a sign of maturity is when the child realizes that the family doesn't exist just for me. I actually exist for this family as well. So as an infant, when it comes to church, people think, man, this church just exists for me. And there are a lot of people who act this way. So like children, we pout when we don't get our way. They didn't sing my favorite song this morning. Oh, my gosh. I don't understand why they keep singing that song over and over and over again. Well, that's the name of the song. It's over and over again. Because you know why we sing it? Because when you get to heaven, that's exactly what you're going to be doing is over and over again at the throne room of God, we are going to be singing and worshiping in his presence. They didn't sing my favorite song. Kids and children, especially immature Christians, they can be very picky about what they eat. They can be very picky about the truths that they want to hear. Oh, you know what, Pastor Phil, this church just isn't feeding me. I'm not getting fed. Well, that's right, because mature children feed themselves. My son's 13 years old. I'm not getting his turkey sandwich with provolone cheese, plain, with no mayonnaise like he likes it. He likes everything plain. I don't get that sandwich and go, okay, Gavin, at 13 years old, open your mouth. Here it comes. Ooh, woo. I don't do that. No, you know what? Now he's on a schedule for school that if he doesn't make his sandwich, it doesn't get made. I can make it. I do help him when he, gets, when, he get, when he gets busy. I do help him. But what I'm saying is that he goes into his own refrigerator, opens the door, and grabs his own stuff. Why? It's a sign of maturity that he says, now I contribute to the family and I feed myself. As you grow and mature, one of the telltale signs is that you start feeding on the word of God for yourself. This is a supplement every Sunday. But I'm telling you, if you're only eating, if you're only here twice a month, once a month, maybe even four times a month, if you're only eating four times a month, can you imagine how weak your body would be? And this is why so many people are just feeble. They're dependent 100% on just the pastor to feed them. The Bible says he leads us, right? I'm going to lead you, but at the end, you have to eat. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Somebody once said, you know, you can't make a horse drink water. I said, oh, yeah, you can. Stick some salt in his mouth. So there are times in my message, it's going to be a little salt in your mouth because I want you to drink. But just know the motive's good. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? But as a child, you think that everything is supposed to be created for you. The family just exists for me. Yes, if you're still a child. But again, listen, you could be a Christian for 10 or 12 years. And here's why I'm saying this. You know, there's a couple reasons that are fueling this message, and, and you, you'll see it as we talk. But it's funny because I do a lot of the, our social media for the church, and so I'm on different groups, you know, uh, Menifee this, Marietta that. And so a person got on there, and it just so happened to be there when I'm there, and they said, I'm looking for a church. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome that they're looking for a church. And then they began to give the criteria of the church that they are looking for. I'm looking, is there any churches in this valley that have hipster music? Hipster music for worship. Oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. That'd be cool because I like heavy metal. Like, I'd be cool to have some metal worship. Is there any churches, right? Eric would like, is there any country churches? 
Eric Church over here, right? And then he proceeded to say all of the demands that his kids needed for a church. And a pastor responded, and, and uh, you're going to be really proud of me because I was very nice. I didn't say anything. Because when you're dealing with children, you have to understand that you have to be more mature sometimes. And like I'm having this conversation with you, I think this is what's important, is some of you have never heard something like this. So in my approach, I have to be very, very loving. But the reality of it is, is that this person was a consumer. I need what I need. See, maturity says I'm not only a consumer. Maturity says I'm actually a contributor as well. So, yes, I receive, but I also give. See, there's a time to sit and soak under the presence of God, but there's also a time to stand up, right, and stand and serve. There's a time for sitting and soaking. It's so important. And I even believe your sitting and soaking will help your standing and serving. But there is a time that we stand up as the church and we serve the purposes of God. And the moment that you become a contributor, I love when parents, even when the kids are little, say, all right, daddy's going to help you put back your toys because they ain't my toys. They're your toys. Right. And at a little young age, they help the child. Right. Starting to put back. And, and then the child starts to realize every toy that I take out, I have to put back. So we help. But the point is what? That we grow. And so the moment that you become a contributor to the family, here's what happens. You start showing signs. Hey, I'm growing. I'm maturing. So the Bible talks about the church in a family context. Then the Bible talks about church, and it describes it as the body of Christ. I thought about this for a minute. I thought, I'm the body of Christ. I don't know if I would have choose myself to be anybody's body. Because think about it. If you had the opportunity today to choose your body in a perfect world, right? Some of you are like, I'm big bone. That's, I'm, that's just how I am, just big bone. Right? But in a perfect world, if you had the opportunity to choose your body, right? I'd probably choose like Chris Hainsworth, like Thor, right? Many of you, ladies, I mean, I don't know who you admire, Taylor Swift, right? And you're like, woo, play is going to play, play, play. Hate is going to hate, hate, hate. I had to whisper that for copyright reasons. But you know what God does? He picks you and I to be his body. You are the body of Christ. Man, I'm his temple and I'm his body. And see, when I was reading this Facebook post, a lot of people don't understand this. When I was reading what this person had put, what they don't understand is in your body, everything is strategic. And actually, God places members in the body as he wills. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says, God has placed and arranged the parts of the body, each of them as he will and he saw fit with the best balance of function. If they are all a single organ, where would the rest of the body be? In other words, when you join a church, right, you are to pray and ask God, God, is this body, because there's a lot of bodies, right? There's the global body of Christ. We are all part of the global 
body of Christ. We are a local body of Christ, but we are part of the global part of a body of Christ where he is the head. Are you understanding? Where Jesus is the head. He's the good shepherd. He's, he's the pastor. But when you are visiting a church, you should pray and say, God, do you want me? Is your will for me to be here? Is this your house for me? Right? So instead of having a consumer mindset that says, you know, Pastor Phil, we, I, just, I just really need a men's ministry and, you know, I just need men's ministry. Well, I'm sorry, this church doesn't have one. Okay. But see, that's a consumer. But you could be walking to your car and God speak to you and say, it's time for you to start the men's ministry at this church. (laughs) What? I rebuke you, devil. It's time for you. Why? Because it's time for you to grow. It's time for God to put a demand on your life because of all the church services that you've been. And as long as you've been around, right, you could be a perfect candidate for the men's ministry. And guess what? God is calling you to contribute, not just be a consumer. This is why the writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. He said, even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need still somebody to teach you over again, the very principles of God's word. You need milk. Watch this. So a mark of maturity is that now you are teaching others. Just like in a family, those of you who have older children, what do you use the older children for? And don't lie. You use them to take care of the other younger children. That's why you had them. Right? Go help your brother. And the Bible says a mark of maturity is that you start teaching others. You tell the older kids, hey, go help, go help your brother. And here's what, here's what happens. Let's talk about teaching others. And for those of you that are parents, you totally understand this, right? Because you are growing as a parent. And one of the reasons why you grow as a parent is because you have a child that's always asking one question. Why? Why? Come on. We need to, you need to start using the toilet. Why? Legitimate question. Why do I need to get on the toilet when I can just poop in my pants? You bought the diaper for me. Well, because you stink. That's why. Why do I stink? Because you have poo-poo in your booty. Why? Right? And then... So now you have to get on Google and try to answer some of these why questions for your kids because that's not, you failed science. So you tell your oldest son, hey, go help your brother, put him on that toilet. But dad, he keeps asking me why. I know, just, just go, just go. But guess what? In those why questions, you started to grow. You started, it began to pull that nurturing out of you. That's why I always say it's so important that you start at some point to become an example, a teacher, because I love this quote. It says, if you really want to learn something well, teach it to someone else. And if you can't properly explain it to others, then you don't know it yet. 
So this, you know, understand why I've grown in wisdom? Because I've heard things at church, and I'm like, yeah, and there's some things that we are. just like, yeah, that's cool. But when you have to explain it to someone, there is an, an ounce, an, a, a, an amount of growth that starts to happen in your life that you can't get if you don't do that. And some of you have so much inside of you, but it will never come out of you until you decide to teach somebody else. And now, listen, now, some of you may think, oh, you know, Phil, you're talking about being a pastor. No, I'm actually talking about being a Christian because the Bible says infants don't understand the basics and righteousness. You and I should be able to teach somebody about Jesus and his death on the cross and the resurrection and how it's impacted your life. Each and every single, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. And as you explain that to people, you will understand and you will grow in that knowledge. I'm still growing. It's one of the things I love about what I do is I have to keep digging because I have to explain it. And some of you have complimented me and I thank you because you say, hey, man, I, I, I came to church and I actually understood what you said. And I'm like, isn't that how church is supposed to be? You're supposed to understand the pastor, right? I'm not like Charlie Brown's teacher going, wah, 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 right? And you go out there, oh, that was good. What are you talking about? I don't know. So we take the cookies from the top shelf and put it down on the bottom shelf so everybody can understand it. But for me to make something simple, I have to uncomplicate it so I can understand it before I teach it to you. And guess what happens when I do that? I begin to grow. I begin to grow. So growing churches not only have newborn babies as, as families, but listen, not only are they reaching the loss, but the people who are found, the people and the older brothers and the younger and the older sisters, the found are actually starting to grow. How? By discipling the people who are first coming in. Some of you have been in the faith for two or three, four years. You know a lot more than someone just coming in. But I think the enemy tries to deceive us to think that we don't know enough. Listen, can I just encourage you today? Just share what you know. Because here's what I know. When you begin to open up your mouth, God will begin to fill it. There's sometimes I'm like, when I do counseling, I have no idea what's going to happen. A lot of times I pray in the spirit before I counsel people. And, you know, they'll start talking to me about stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure how we're going to answer this. But then I will start with what I know that's what Jesus did in parables. He started with what people knew, and then he took them from the natural to the supernatural. A man had two sons, right? And so I also start with what I know, and I'm amazed sometimes, right, because what I know, God begins to then speak through me. And I walk away sometimes, and, and I laugh, and I laugh at myself because I'm like, that was good. But I don't know where it came from. But the truth is, is it was already stored inside of me from years. But that person who I met with for counseling, they actually helped get what was inside of me out of me. So I love counseling because I know that, listen, it's not just for them. It's for me. Because we're both going to walk away and have a breakthrough. They're going to have a breakthrough of freedom. And I'm going to have a breakthrough going, wow, that was that was pretty interesting. Can I hear a good amen today? I've been doing this for 30 years already. 
One of the biggest problems that I've had is not with newborn kids in terms of newborn babies. The biggest challenge that even with our church that we have is Christians who are mature not wanting to help newborn babies. And actually, we are called to do it. And you are so concerned about just getting fed that you have become obese because you're not helping anybody else. And I'm going to tell you something. I told you and I warned you. So if you show up, if you sh- because you showed up today, you understand. I told you I'm not holding back in this series. I don't share a lot of my opinions because I'll share stories and different things. But you came here to hear the word of God, not my opinion. And when it is my opinion, I will tell you this is my opinion. But I'll tell you one of the things that really irks me is the people who won't help new believers, but yet they come to me and they complain about the state of the world. And they complain about how the world is evil. And this is what I started just to ask people. I said, so what are you doing about it? I know what I'm doing. I'm going to share with you just in a little bit what I'm doing. But what are you doing about it? Because there's a person on your row who just received Jesus, and guess what? You walked out because you had to make the football game, and their life is broken and being healed. And with all the knowledge that you have, you don't care. And yet you're mad at the world. Yet, you know how we change the world? One life at a time. One person at a time. Because God sees the world, but he sees people, and he sees individuals. Come on, somebody. And so the Bible talks about how the church is a body, we're a family. But Paul writes this, and he talks about how valuable every part of the body is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says, But speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth, here it is again, let us grow up in all things in him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, everybody say the whole body, And then he says here, the church in all its various parts, listen to these words, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies. He's not talking about marijuana. Listen, and when each part, I need to say that for some of you, when each part is working properly, causes the body to what? Grow. Grow and mature. Listen to these words building itself in unselfish love. It causes the body to grow. You didn't come here today. You're not visiting today. You don't come to church because you're like, all right, honey, we need to find a good, mediocre church, kind of like average. You know, we want to we have a good, mediocre church that we attend. Come to our church. It's mediocre. Status quo. Is that what you came for? Because if you did, great. Maybe I'm exceeding your expectations. Nobody says that. Everybody says, I want to be a part of a thriving, growing church. A church that's reaching people. A church that's changing the community. But here's the reality. In order for us to have a growing church, the individuals in the church must be growing. Because it's very easy to go, I want the church to grow and think that the church is me sitting. No, you are the church. You are part of the church. And if you're not growing, whatever church you attend starts to not grow because you are not growing. And so here's, here's what he says in order for the church to grow, right? Here's what Paul says. He says a growing church, it functions like a body, right? 
So here's what it takes. They have to be jointed, knitted together. So there's unity. Everybody say unity. Right? The devil loves it when people are disconnected from the body. I call them spiritual amputees, right? So if my pointer finger right here is I cut it off from my body, listen to this. This finger can never understand its full potential outside of the body because it was actually created for the body. But then I thought it, I started thinking like, okay, well, what could fingers could be, could this be used for something else? Sure. You could cut off, amputate your finger, embalm it, right? And then throw your finger at somebody. You walk into work, you're like, yeah, I can't believe what happened. What happened? I, somebody threw a finger at me. Like, yeah, so what? Happened? No, I'm serious. Like, they threw their finger at me. Hit my window. I'm sorry. When you preach, you can be more serious. literally threw his finger at me because he's mad at the world. But here's the reality. That finger was made to be part of the body. That finger being mad at the world doesn't help if you can't reach the world with your whole hand. So this finger will never fulfill its purpose outside of the body. So there are so many people in the body, global body of Christ, who are sitting on the sidelines, and my heart breaks and I get passionate about it because they'll never fulfill their purpose because they don't understand that your whole life was meant to be in a family and part of the body of Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? Every part of the body has to be working properly. That means it's healthy. You know, did you know that healing can happen with even just in, within relationships? That's God's design. James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, uh, admit your faults to one another. Why? That you may be healed. Do you know your body will heal itself if it's healthy? It starts to heal itself. I, I had a cut. I won't show it to you. Some of you even throw up. But um, it, it's already starting to heal itself. And so when we come together and we gather as the body we need to understand our purpose is healing can happen when we come together. How does it happen? This is one of the reasons why we do life group is because we admit our faults. Hey, I didn't do so good. And we, it's happened this last semester. People start to, hey, you know, I need prayer for this. And guess what? The body comes around and we pray and we prophesy and we believe. Why? So the body can heal itself. Jesus said that we will lay hands on the sick and it sh they shall recover. No, us, we are not the healer. He is the healer. But the healer uses the body and the hands to reach out to other people in the body to say, by his stripes, you are healed. So the body, watch, can build itself and heal itself. That's supposed to be happening in the church because we are the church when we come together. So it's not just sitting. There's actually healing that's happening. Can I hear a good amen today? So when it's working properly, and then he says each joint supplies, so every part is valuable. So what happens when one of the parts of the body is not working? Guess what? Another part of the body has to compensate for the weak members of the body. And guess what? That's what the body's supposed to do. We're supposed to compensate. That's what your body does. You know, my wife, every part of your body is valuable. God made it strategic. My wife broke a bone in her little toe. She could not walk for three months. And guess what? The whole body had to compensate for the little toe. 
Some of you who are in the medical field, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. I was talking to somebody this week who they broke their foot, and we were talking about this. I said, that's kind of what we're talking about on Sunday, how when one part of the body is broken, the other part compensates for that body. And then she said, she says, yeah, but now, you know what, now my hip hurts. And as the body compensates for other parts of the body, hear me, my church family, it can happen. That's what we're supposed to do. But I just want to tell you something. In your physical body, there's a point where once the body starts to compensate for others, you stop moving forward. And you know this as well as I do, that there can be a time where so much of your body is compensated that you not only stop growing, but you start dying. And a body can die. So as I thought about this, I thought about in our remaining time together, I started to think about our body. What about this body, Passion Life Church? Are we a healthy church? What are we? Where are we at in terms of the body? And so I want to tell you this because you are the church, right? And I think you need to know. Thank God. Let's talk about our attendance. Our attendance is growing. You look around and you go, yeah, really? Yeah. There are people that come once a month because they work. And today I want you to know if you work, and you have to, I, I totally understand. There are some people in our church that there's a family who they take care of their mom. They can't, they can't get away. Hey, I, I, I understand. But do you know my church family that the average church attendance right now is two times a week? Two times a week. And so we're called the family of God. We're called the body of Christ but we're also called the body of Christ. We're also called the bride of Christ. Everybody say bride of Christ. So there's a lot, you probably have heard a lot. People are like, why, why go to church? Now, maybe you came out of a, a religious background where you had to go to church because it was based on religion. But let me just tell you this, this whole idea, well, I can just sit at home and just have church at home and, and not gather with people. When people say, well, do I really have to go to church to be a Christian? This is what I say. Do I really have to go home to be married? I'm married, but if I only went home once a month or twice a month, how good would my marriage be? You're going to get into heaven, but we are called the bride of Christ, and he is the perfect groom. And with all of our faults, he loves us. But yet, I don't believe you can have a thriving relationship with God without being part of his body, being a part of his family, and being his bride. Can I hear a good amen today? And so this is what Hebrews says. Hebrews says, chapter 10, verse 25. Listen, it says, not forsaking the assembling. Everybody say that with me. Say assembling. The assembling of ourselves together as in some manner have, but exhorting one another and so much that the more as you see the day approaching. So listen to what this says. This says don't forsake the assembling. It doesn't say that we are just to come to church. It actually says that we are assembled today. You are seeing my body. It's all assembled. It's all here. It all came, right? But I think sometimes we can have this mentality about the church, which is this. If I have an antique car in my garage and I have the motor and I have all of the pieces of the motor all over my floor, that car 
although it is there and they are present, it's not assembled. And if it's not assembled, then we can't go anywhere. And so this is the mentality of some people is this, well, I just kind of show up. I know, but we're not going to have a growing church. I want you to show up. That's important. If you are not on vacation and you are not working, you should be in the house of God. And I'm going to clarify this with this scripture. Why? Because we need to be assembled together. Come on, Avengers assemble. Does that help? That's the message translation. We need to be, because when you start taking the pieces, it doesn't matter how gorgeous that car is. It doesn't matter how fast that car is. If it is not assembled, if the motor is not assembled, it will not drive and go anywhere. But when the pieces come together in unity and they're joined together and they're working properly and each joint is supplying, then we can drive, we can go someplace and we can grow. Can I hear a good amen today? So you're valuable. So when you come in here, you need to understand we have to assemble. I have to do my part. It's so important. But listen, it says don't forsake. I thought this is so interesting in the Greek language. This is exactly what we've been talking about. He says this. He says the word forsake in the Greek means leave in straits, leave helpless. Listen, to leave to oneself a person or a thing by ceasing to care for it, to abandon it. So God says to us, If you don't understand assembling and you forsake coming together, you're not just forsaking, oh, you know, I just didn't go to church. Then what you're doing is those people who are coming that are young, we're forsaking them. We're forsaking to care for them. Oh, the pastor will do that. I can do a couple. I can take care of a couple. But the reality of it is, is they are part of the family of God. They're not part of my personal family. They are part of the global and the local family of God. That means they're your family too. So let me ask you, how do you treat your family? Do you show up for them? Or is it all about you? How you feel? There are sometimes I don't ask myself how I feel when it comes to my family. I do it because it's right and they're my family. Can I hear a good amen today? And we need to start taking that mentality into the house of God because there are people who come that are standing between death and life. They come. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 133.1, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell again in unity. And then in verse 3, when you jump down, it says, For there God commends a blessing. There is a blessing in corporate gathering that you cannot get in your private prayer. I love private prayer. But if you ever been in a room with two or three, four hundred people singing and worshiping God, faith fills that room and miracles can happen just for the mere size of it. And so when we come together, my church family, it's important because there's a special blessing that is tied to there. You know, the Bible never says just attend church. The Bible actually says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. And there's so many people because they have a consumer mindset. Well, you know, I like this kid. I've had people, you know, I like to worship over here, but the preaching over here is good. And this, you know, this church has a great kids program. I'm like, do you read the Bible? Why don't you pray and ask God where he wants you to be and get planted? But you know what? Because people are consumers. They go for three or four months. Something, they don't like something. They uproot themselves. I know people this year that have been in four different churches. My church family, you don't grow that way. I said, you don't grow that way. And here's the truth. You can go to a different church, 
but the principles of the Bible are still the same. Write this down. You take you wherever you go. And if you aren't growing, it doesn't matter if you change churches because you still won't change. I love you enough to tell you that. Because sometimes the problem is not the church. The problem is you just are immature. I can listen to anybody preach and get something out of it. Sometimes I can get some how not to do it. But I'll get something. I'll feed. Can I hear a good amen today? Right? But watch this. So we're to assemble together. And then I love this scripture because it says this, exhorting one another. So that means my part of the body. So maybe you're new. You're like, man, this is, this is interesting, right? Because I thought I was just supposed to come and sit and get motivated and leave. No, you're actually supposed to play a part in this. And I really want to do this because I think this is how the church is supposed to be. The Bible says that we are to exhort one another. That means to address, speak to, call upon, listen, to console, to encourage, and strengthen by consolation. Assembling means that you come to contribute. Assemble means the complete collection comes together. So when you come to church, we're going to start this next week. We can actually start it when we leave. Next week, when you come, you say, I'm going to do my part. I'm going to be part of this body. And here's what I'm going to do. I am going to exhort somebody today. I'm going to come to church and I am going to encourage somebody today. You don't have to recite a scripture. Listen, all you have to do is walk up and say, hey, I noticed how good you are with your kids. Man, that blesses me. You know, you look so amazing today. Did you lose weight? Have you been working out? Hey, I I just love seeing the smile on your face. My church family, if that can't start in the house of God, it's never going to get out there. But you know what we do? We come looking for ourselves as consumers instead of contributors. And the Bible says this, that when you refresh other people, guess what happens? You become refreshed. The Bible says that what you make happen for other people, God will make happen for you. Can I hear a good amen today? Well, nobody, well, nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. I know that's why the Bible says be a friend. So go find friends. If you will be a friend, you will not lack for friends. Can I hear a good amen today? And so the church has grown. We here at Passion Life Church, we look at our attendance for two weeks, maybe three. We have about 200, 225 people that pass through. Again, some people work, but we are to assemble together, right? Now, if we're going to have a growing church, my church family, and we are the church, that means we need to be here on time. Notice I didn't get any amens on that. Wah, 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 wah. So why did I bring that up? Because I'm mean. I, we had a family that came to the church, walked in here at 10 o'clock. Service starts at 10 o'clock. Family sitting here, brand new family. They told me this later. But they came in, they sat down, and nobody was here. Nobody. Nobody sitting here. It's 10 o'clock. Website says 10 o'clock. I'm going to tell you something. When new people come to our church, they're excited. And they're early because they're excited. And the husband looked around, didn't see anybody, and this is what he said. Why don't we just leave? Why don't we just leave? And the wife said, thank God for the wife. Come on, the Holy Spirit. 
She said, you know, we came all this way. Why not? Let's just stay. So the worship team had wor- was practicing that week. I had a message prepared, but they almost didn't even stay to hear it because there was none of our church family here at 10 o'clock. How are we going to have a growing church if we can't even take care of our new people? You know why? Because some of us have the mentality that this is all about you. I'm going to tell you something. We start at 10. You can be here at 10 o'clock. I said, you can be here at 10 o'clock. And I want to encourage you with some things. Sunday is the greatest opportunity that we have to reach people. It's when the most people show up. That's why we put all of our effort in. So can I just, and I'm going to start saying this in the church, make Sunday your mission to reach new people. By number one, showing up. Showing up. My heart, my heart broke for those people. But thank God they're still here. They said, man, when we experienced the worship, but they almost didn't get there. It wasn't because of the pastor or the worship team. It was because the body wasn't here. I got a text. My wife got a text two weeks ago from a woman who said that they brought a friend, came to a church service like this, had stage four cancer. There are people who come into this room who are standing between life and death. This is not a game. And you wake up sometimes, "Ah, it's raining. Ah." And there are people who are coming here looking for miracles. And where is our church body? And again, if you work and you're on vacation, hey, I get it. But we can slip into this idea that this is all about us. It's about contributing and making a difference. But can you imagine if you walked in and saw someone you didn't know and you spoke something and maybe God put something on your heart for that person and you didn't know that they had stage four cancer, but God used what you said to help them to get healing. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, can I hear a better amen today? This is not a game. And some of you, your lives have been broken. And I want, I'm talking to our church family because you need us too. And we need you. Oh, come on. Can I just have a couple more minutes? Five more minutes. Let me see. Five more minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20. All right, good. Can Sunday be our mission? You know, for us, Sunday starts Saturday night. We're all in bed by a certain time. Why? Because we're teaching our kids that church matters. My son's 13, he does a great job, but he, we forget sometime. But if we ever go over 1030, I tell him, if you can't wake up on Sunday, then you're going to bed at like 9 o'clock. But we value Sundays. And you know what? I'm so proud of him. He's in there serving. The kids love him. He's becoming a leader. But that doesn't happen by just being a consumer. It happens by being a contributor and saying our family is going to contribute and we're going to be our part of the body. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? So let's make Sunday our mission. Let's talk about, let me just say this. So I'm going to encourage you again. It would be amazing. when I'm praying for the day. This is what I'm praying, that for some of you, that you would come to church actually four Sundays in a month straight. It's kind of weird that I have to say this. But did you make the priority? And if you have a problem with that, pray about it. God, do you want me to go to church for four Sundays in a row? Speak to me, Lord. It would be amazing. I'm waiting for that day 
when all of our church body shows up so you can see them and they can see you. But if you don't prioritize and value the house of God and this body, then you need to pray and ask yourself, is this the body that God wants me to be a part of? Can I hear a good amen today? I'm going to just close with this. Let's talk about our financial giving. You know, it's estimated that to live here in Marietta, which I call AKA the promised land, for a family of four, $98,000, you have to make at least over 100K to have a family of four, something like that. So when I was thinking about this and I said, well, we need to examine our body. I think if you value Passion Life Church, you need to know this. So for a family of four, it's 100K. Do you know what the total budget for Passion Life Church was this last year? We had over 220 people. We'll exclude the kids. Let's take out the kids, 180 people. Total for the whole year was $155,000. A family of four is 98466 We take care of 180 people with $155,000. So when I got the graph of our giving out of, let's just say, 200 people, we have 45 people that give. 27 of those are tithers. So 45 people total, and that means they could have given a dollar to be on that list. So that means that there are at least 100, 180 people that come through here, watch here, that don't give one dollar to the church. One dollar. And so you have 27 people who are sacrificing, valuing this body, and guess what? They're giving. Now, I'm just going to tell you this because I think you need to know if you care about this body because I want it to be healthy and I want it to grow, right? Before I instruct you in anything, I have to make sure that I'm growing. That I want to make sure that to you, I'm a being the leader. And if I'm teaching you to sacrifice, that I'm sacrificing too. So out of this $155,000, right, a third of that, maybe a little bit more is salary. So there are times for me, I make a little bit over minimum wage, to be your pastor. And I do it with honor. And you would never tell that because I give my all every time I step into this room. Because I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. And because my wife has an incredible job, this is our mission. We've taken it upon. We're able to do the things that we do. And God makes this up to me. Right? But before you get critical about money, because as soon as you talk about money, the room shifts because that's what has our heart. I want to just show you my part of the body because as Jesus is the global head and the pastor, I'm the head of this. So what is my part of the body? So I just thought, because I know some of you don't know, so maybe you can know some of the things and my job description that I do. Cause I know some of you think that I pray, preach and drink coffee. That's what I do. So I thought I would wrote this down and I'm sorry that it's longer than it's usually, but you, you need to know this. Here's my job description. I have to do compliance, all compliance with the IRS, state and federal documents, all compliance with church company policies, all compliance with this school for services and insurance, all accounts payable, receivable, our missions budget, overall church budget, maintenance. I do and help and repair all damaged church equipment, pricing, and also troubleshooting, including computers, sound equipment, and vehicles. Also, this includes website updating and repair. Sometimes some of these can be two or three 
times a week, all of that. I am also do the human resources department. I recruit and train new employees, keep records and compliance. I also oversee the mission and the vision of the church, content creation for all weekly services, service scheduling, service event scheduling, oversee departments and their scheduling, scheduling the worship team and rehearsals, song selection, scheduling for services and events, and pastoral care. Pastoral care means also married couples, families officiate weddings and funerals. Some of these can all happen simultaneously within the week. I oversee all of our life groups, content for those life groups, recruit group leaders, train leaders, schedule life groups, and me and my wife also host a life group. Leadership development for Passion Life Church. I recruit and I train leaders to oversee and teach growth track. I do follow-up. I answer all the church phone calls, follow-up on all emails, first-time guests, prayer calls, monthly emails, content and creation. I also do all of the uh, graphic design, all of the slides for all of the announcements, service and weekly. Some of these uh, are changing constantly during the week. All graphics for social media over all social media accounts, uploads, contents, all the graphics for the website, website creation and website uh, development and edge website editing as well as video. I do all the graphics, not only that, but I do the, the video editing, such as countdowns and announcements. Now oversee Passion Life Church content and editing. And I am available just in case there is nobody to pick up the trailer in the morning, I pick up the trailer. So with that said, that is not father role, husband role, and I just wrote a book, and I'm going on tour for a couple weeks in Texas. We did a four-week tour. That's none of that. Why am I saying that? Because as I talk to you about sacrifice, I think it's important context that you understand what role my body plays. And I'm doing my part of the body. Now, for some people, they have a wrong view of pastors because you think I'm talking about money because I want your money. I want everybody to look at me and I want to look at you as your pastor. If this to me was about money, I would not be standing in front of you here today. There have been multiple times that I have refused my paycheck here at Passion Life Church, refused to take it. Although our board and our trustees tell me you have every right to be paid for all of the stuff that you do. And I said, yes, but my first responsibility is to take care of this body. If this was about money, I would not be standing with you because I have refused multiple offers from other churches who have buildings and are thriving financially, and they have asked me to come and my family to come multiple times. We've refused because God has called us to this body. And so, with that said, well, Pastor Phil, you're the pastor. That's what you were supposed to do. You know what? I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to do. And I read this scripture because I, I feel like I relate with Paul. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. He says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, listen, which is the church in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. This is what I do. We fill up what is lacking. I'm going to tell you, have, do you ever hear me complain? You ain't going to hear me complain because I am doing what I am called to do. 
I don't expect you in any sense to do what I'm called to do, but what I do have the right as your pastor to expect is for you to do what you are called to do. What is it and what part of the body? My church family, when you have 27 people tithing in a church that is our size, it's not good. And I'm going to tell you, after everything I read, I have no shame in telling you because it's the truth. And I think if this is your church, you need to hear this. This is the state of our body. And here's what happens. Everybody wants the results of a great growing church, but few will handle the responsibility to make it happen. And so I say all that to say my family and everything that I've told you and how many times I've refused. And let me just tell you this. Here's the amazing thing. There are times I have refused paychecks from this church and God will use somebody from the outside to bless me. It's amazing. We've been able to be on vacation, sometimes in vacation spots that I find myself overjoyed at how we even got here because we didn't even pay for it. Somebody else said, hey, we, this, God put this on our heart. Why don't you come right on the beach? I'm like, wow. But I just want to tell you something, my church family. In our house, our vacation budget isn't more than what we give to the house of God. I don't tithe to the magic kingdom. Because when I pray, Walt Disney is not answering my prayers. And either will Mickey Mouse. But you know who does answer my prayers? The God who is faithful, who is my heavenly father. I want to tell you something. I'm not against, I, I hope God blesses you with vacation. But when you say that you can't give a dollar to the house of God, I have some questions. How many Starbucks did you have this week? Each of those is five, seven dollars. You have four of those this week, that's thirty-two dollars. You could go over a hundred dollars just to, and you don't give the house of God one dollar? And then you're gonna pray to ask God for stuff? That's why the Bible says if you're not even faithful in the little, he won't give you ruler over much. So if I added up all your airplane, all your souvenirs, and all your vacation, would it be more than you gave to the house of God? Because I don't. But that's why I walk in blessing. And sometimes I'm even afraid to say what I'm blessed with, but I think you need to hear this. You know why? Because we all need to rise up, and we will compensate. I'm standing here on behalf of the 27 people who are giving that really want to see this church go forward. I'm standing here for those that are serving and saying, we want this to go forward. And we are compensating for people who I'm not even talking about sacrificing. They won't even do what they can do. And it's not right. Because here's the reality. It's a perfect time to grow and to do your part. Now, honestly, maybe this church isn't for you. Hey, I get it. Pray, ask God. And if God decides to lead you elsewhere, can I tell you, the principles don't change. You need to show up, you need to assemble, you need to give, and you need to grow, and you need to serve. The principles don't change. This is the part of the job that I don't like. I didn't get up this morning going, woo, Miracle Sunday. But you know what? If some of you will decide to do your part, you'll experience a miracle. Well, Pastor Phil, you're the pastor. That means you're the head. 
You're called, yeah. But you may be called to be the thumb. And you know what? If the thumb's not functioning correctly, we can't reach out to the world. We can't hold on to anything. And this is the funny thing, and I'm going to pray after this. I share my opinion every once in a while. But number one, me and my wife, I want to be a part of a committed body. I don't want to be, and me and 26 other people are the only ones that are giving and find value in this. I want to be a part of a committed community, people who love God, who want to see this world changed. That's what I want to be a part of. But number two, my pet peeve is, you have Mr. Thumb, I'm going to call him Tom Thumb today. You have Tom Thumb walk into the church. He hasn't been here two or three times, maybe in two months. And he's like, hey, how come the church isn't reaching out? Hey, Tom Thumb, because we can't reach out until we have the thumb. And where you been? I'm serious. Well, the church, you know, the church needs to. Yeah, the church needs to tell you, you are the thumb. And we need you as a part of the hand so we can change the world. And until you do your part, we just won't be as effective. And yes, we've been compensating, but it's time now that we become the church that Jesus is calling us to be. I'm going to end with this. Why do I do all that? Why did I read all that to you? And my job, I don't have to do it. But I think that you need to understand that Jesus loves his church. As imperfect as we are, he loves us. And can I just tell you this? I love the church. The Bible says that he gave his life for it. I want to give my life for this church and for the global church because when we stand before God one day, listen, the only thing that's going to be rewarded is everything that we did for him. And I'm going to get my reward. Whether Passion Life Church wants to step up or not, I'm going to get mine. Can I hear a good amen? amen? And so I'm going to end with this. The Bible says that Jesus will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But they will prevail if you're isolated and you don't do your part. And so here's what I'm asking. Is Passion Life Church growing? Are you growing? That would be the answer. Are you growing? So here's what I'm asking every single person to do here. This year is not over. I want this to be the best year of your life, but you need to pray and say, God, what is my part that I can do to step up and be the body that you have called us to be so we can be the church that God's called us to be and change the world that we're supposed to change. Can I hear a good amen today? Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.